Welcome to the Running For Your Life podcast, a podcast designed to share the joy of running so that you can live a long and healthy life. I am your host, Barry Karch. Thank you for being here with me today. Hope you're out having a great run right now and all is going well in your life. On this episode of the Running For Your Life podcast, we're going to talk about weight training. Yes, weight training on a running podcast. Besides being a runner, I have lifted weights for about 25 years now, and I have found it to be a great complement to my running. Lifting weights builds muscle, of course, which makes you stronger and a stronger runner. Plus, it's also great cross-training. I don't think you should focus on just one activity for your fitness routine, but it's good to be well-rounded and achieve fitness in multiple ways. So in this episode, I'm excited to have Philip Pape on as my guest. He is an expert on weight training, and he's going to talk about how weights can complement your running. Philip is also a podcast host. He is the man behind the mic at the Wits and Weights podcast, a top 25 nutrition podcast that's changing lives. He's also a go-to nutrition and lifestyle coach for high-performing professionals. He's a husband, a dad, and a tech junkie who's been through the ringer when it came to physique and health. He was always trying to get into shape, and the key word there is trying. Like me, he was a late bloomer in the fitness game. He hit 40 and realized he had spent years chasing his tail with fad diets. He started many, such as Atkins, Paleo, Keto, and never finished them. And he never developed the physique he wanted. And then 2020 hit, and it changed everything for him. He built a home gym and dove headfirst into the world of evidence-based nutrition and training. He started to see great results, and something magical happened. People noticed, and his confidence skyrocketed. He was so excited about it, he couldn't keep it to himself. So in 2021, his Wits and Waste podcast was born. It wasn't just about sharing tips. It was about transforming lives. Now it's a top 25 podcast, and he's helped hundreds of people reclaim their health and physique. He's given many speeches on this topic, run master classes, and coached people one-on-one and helped thousands find the success that he did with their weight, physical, and mental health. And he's here with us today to share his insights on weights and running. So let me bring Philip onto the show. It's my pleasure to welcome Philip Pape to the Running for Your Life podcast. How are you today, Philip? I'm excellent, Barry. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Um, I've enjoyed your show, Wits and Weights, and I'm interested to see how we can combine your expertise on weights with running. So uh, looking forward to getting there and also learning more about you. Yeah, me as well. As we, you and I talked about on a call maybe last week, 
that there there's an overlap between these different modes of training, but then there are some differences as well. And so the question for the listeners, you know, how do we get the best of both and why would we do either? Right? Exactly. And so I think you're going to be the perfect person to bring home this information because you're an expert on weights. You know a lot about that. I don't know a heck of a lot about weights, but I do lift weights too. Cause I, I feel like even though running is my primary exercise, it's also good to include weights in your fitness routine. So I'm learning to, I'm excited to learn more about you as far as that goes too. But yeah, before yeah, let's we, get into it. Yeah. yeah. Before we get into that though, let, I want to learn more about you. Tell me about yourself and your background. Yeah, sure. So uh, <laughs> um, I really only got into the the fitness game about four years ago. It was late 2019, early 2020 when I was turning 40. Um, the, the first four decades of my life, I was not very athletic. I was not very fit. And I didn't really know what I was doing when it came to diet, you know, diet and exercise, nutrition and training. Um, and it wasn't until I finally listened to a coach, right? <laughs> a coach who had been telling me something for years, but I hadn't listened after about uh, eight years of CrossFit, which is very different from running. Let's just mm. put it out there. There's, there's uh -huh. some striking differences. Um, and I had tried running and things over the years, but after after years of trying many diets, trying many training programs, I finally listened to my coach and started to focus on just getting stronger. Focus on one goal, just getting stronger, simplifying my programming, training, and learning how to use barbells in that way. And this was late 2019, early 2020. Um, and then, of course, we know what happened in 2020. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, everything um, changed. Right. right. Everything changed. We, we had the lockdowns, and I didn't have access to the gym. But because I had started to focus on this one singular goal of getting stronger and it started to produce results for me. And, and we can get into details on that. It started to produce results. Um, I fell in love with the process and I had to figure out how to keep doing it during the pandemic. So I found used equipment. I built my own home gym very quickly. was able to get to a point where I was resuming that. And over the next, I'll say year or so from that point, I all I wanted to learn about was building muscle and strength. Um, the science behind it, you know, what worked, what didn't and so on. And I didn't know much about the nutrition side other than I needed to eat a lot, right? I found mm -hmm. very quickly I needed to eat and sleep and lift, eat, sleep, lift. That's the main formula. Okay. <laughs> and so for the first time ever, I, I really did get a lot stronger. I really did put on a lot of muscle, but I also put on a lot of fat. And it was the first time in my life that I had eaten on purpose to gain weight. Every time in the past, it was more accidental, yeah. let's say, like most of us. Yeah. And I, I, I gained about 40 pounds wow. that year. But a lot of that was muscle. I want to say probably 15 pounds of it or 20 pounds was muscle, which I was super happy with. And and I'll tell you right there, that's going to be one of the lessons is like if you're going after a goal and seeing results, you, some of these trade-offs you tend to be okay with at least for uh -huh. time. <laughs> uh, but but at some point, I reached my limit and said, now like a runner, you know, if a runner gains a little extra weight or a little extra muscle, that's probably counterproductive to your top time, right? In running because you, because the strength to weight, you want to learn how to lean out. Um, but I didn't know much about the process because in the past, all I had, all I had known was diets, rigid dieting, right? right. Like keto, um, keto, paleo, you name it, intermittent fasting. And so just like I dove into nutrition or strength training the year before I dived into nutrition that year, this was 2021. Okay. And I learned all about how to control uh, control my intake, control my energy level, fuel my performance, all in a way that was sustainable and flexible rather than in a cutting restrictive way. Because now I had something to support strength and muscle that I didn't mm -hmm. have before. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to think like an athlete 
starting to periodize all this stuff. And I, I went through my first, what I'll call fat loss phase in 2021, where I, I lost weight, but it was mostly fat. Right. And I improved my body composition uh -huh. and, and achieved a better physique, which had always been something that eluded me. 2021 started my podcast, started sharing all of these things. If you listen to my early episodes, they're all just about strength training. And then later on, I get into nutrition. And then eventually that led to coaching others because I realized how much I love to, to help others do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So that is where we are today, Barry. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Got a few questions for you. Interesting story. Sure. And we have some parallels um, because like you, I didn't participate in sports or do anything athletic till uh, close to 40. Um, then I started my running journey. So um, I I'm curious in your case, what inspired you to start lifting weights and even joining CrossFit? Where did that come from after not doing anything athletic for so long? Why all of a sudden did you start? <clears throat> that is a great question. CrossFit was at its craze around 2020. It was at its peak or 2010. I, I'm sorry. Around 2010, it was at its peak. And that the next year was the year we were pregnant with my first daughter. Mm. So I think that was the the trigger for me was, wow, I'm going to be a father. I'm getting older. I'm, I'm going to be 30. You know, and at the time you're thinking 30 is old. Every year you get to a new decade, you think that's all, right? Yeah. It sounds um, young to me now. <laughs> you know, and I'm 42 now and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. When I get to 50, I'll probably have that thought. Yeah. But um, I, that was probably it. And so I had heard a lot about CrossFit and I liked the group orientation, the group class format where somebody else would push me. It was a form of accountability. Mm -hmm. And I know that's part of what we're going to talk about today is maybe how to be consistent. And I think accountability is a huge part of that whether it's coach, you know, coaching, a community, a class, something that gives you that extrinsic motivation that then eventually you, you, you internalize it if you are successful. So I did CrossFit, um, but for me, CrossFit was great for conditioning. I did get a little bit stronger because you use barbells, but it lacked the progression that we need to truly get stronger. And that's uh -huh. what I came to later, uh, later on. Okay, good, good. So you're your desire your was to get fit or uh, be very muscular. Where did where did that come from? What's your big why? What made you want to go that route versus any other route you could have gone down physically or athletically? Yeah, I would say when I first internalized it or, or vocalized it, it wasn't so much the muscle itself as not being happy with my body, just not being happy with how I looked and felt. Uh -huh. Kind of, I, I like to use the term dad bod, right? We yeah. all know what that means in our head. Yeah. And I could see it with my friends. I could see it on everybody, you know, when they post on social, I see it with my family and, and a lot of my family's overweight. So I'm thinking this mm. is my path mm -hmm. and I want to avoid that. And I know I can, like I'm an engineer. I know I can solve that problem. My body's a machine. How do we do it? Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't really about the muscle. That's more of the superficial thing. The deeper why was to be happier and more confident in my skin and confident, um, once I started to do it, though, I realized all of the other benefits besides that for your health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found the same thing through my path on running. Once I started running and got more fit, then it uh, the your confidence carries over to all the other aspects of your life yes. too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I always tell people if they want to be confident, do two things. You know, lift weights, or you know, in your case, it might be running, but lift weights and join Toastmasters, like become more <laughs> confident at speaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I uh, I was invited to a Toastmasters. I did do a Toastmasters speech during COVID time, also. Mm-hmm. So I was invited to that. Um, but back to your back to your journey. You mentioned you put on forty pounds in one year, which is quite a bit of weight. That's right. were, were you real skinny before that, or how did that weight yes. uh, fit on your body? Yeah, yeah, I was skinny fat is what I'll say. I I, I undulated over the years, <laughs> so I I always. Uh, oscillated between like 155 and 210, mm, quite a big that's range. That's a big range. Nine. So yeah, it's a big range. And and I, I see this a lot of people, a lot of my clients, and a lot of people have the same experience, especially women over over their lifetime try out 120 diets. And the reason is a lot of the diets work in the short term. You know, mm-hmm. when we say work, meaning they reduce your weight, but then they're not sustainable. So right. I went through that many many times. And uh, when I started my strength building, I had gone through one of those like kind of severe restrictive diets to get mm-hmm. myself to 155 or so, but I was skinny fat is the term I would use. I, I didn't have any muscle. So it's not like I was happy with how I looked even, even lighter on the scale. And that's important because people yeah. are chasing that number and it doesn't give them what they're looking for. Right. Right. I went through a restrictive diet too. I, I followed the Atkins plan sure. and I took off 35 pounds over a course of a year and I got down to about the 155 you're talking about, but um, it, it's tough because I had to eliminate all my favorite foods, which yeah. are pasta, pizza, uh, stuff like that. So I did it for a year, but I'm struggling with it a little bit more now in the long term to to stick with it because I, I I want to have the ability to still eat some things that I like. Mm-hmm. And that is, you just hit on the main point with nutrition, the, the very premise, the fundamental principle of of, of what I do with people and, and the process I had to go through, which, which is how do you incorporate the foods you love, not cut out things, but make it sustainable, make it flexible. And you start to shift your mindset from one of uh, all or nothing, one of mm. rigidity to one of control, even though you have, you, you replace that with other forms of uh, targets and planning right? That sounds a little bit restrictive. It's it's mm-hmm. actually not. Like when you have a budget or when you have a training pr- program for your running, it's a structure, but you get to follow that in sort of a flexible way to get from A to B. And that's that's how I like nu- to nutrition to go. Okay. Okay. I saw that you had said that you believe in uh, an eating plan that allows you to eat any food that you want or any food that you like. And I like the sound of that a lot. So can you tell me any a little bit more about how that would work? Yeah, sure. So we call it flexible dieting, which is the idea that rather than have meal plans or good and bad foods, um, which ironically cause you to not adhere to a diet over the long term, right? We always think that having a simple plan of rules allows us to adhere to the diet, but it's actually mm-hmm. the opposite. Having flexibility allows us to adhere. Mm-hmm. So um, fle- the idea of flexible dieting is to identify the things that are important to you. For example, it might for you it might be running. For me, it's building muscle, right? And we all value sleep. We value recovery. We value all these things. We might also value our heart health. We might value um, not being hungry when we're on a diet, right? There's mm-hmm. different things. And once you once you have those, you say, okay, now I'm going to select the foods that get me those goals. I'm going to track them, right? And I'm going to make sure that I get them and I adjust. So what that might look like is, okay, I'm going to track calories. I'm going to track macros. Maybe I'll track fiber. And maybe I'll track, um, maybe I'll track my meal timing, for example, like because I care about eating around my workouts. Mm-hmm. With that simple structure, I can then say, okay, now what is my goal? My goal is to lose fat, or maybe to build muscle, or maybe to maintain my weight. 
Therefore, I need so much energy, so much protein because I'm building, I'm building muscle. I need so much carbs and so much fiber so I don't get hungry. And now I can choose my foods based on that and come up with my own meal plan that could change day to day, week to week. And so if I know I need a certain amount of protein, that's going to lead me toward lean meats and dairy and uh, maybe legumes and you know um, eggs. Uh, I know I need carbs, so I'm going to go to starches, grains, things like that, mm-hmm. and then f- healthy fats. But I also like ice cream, and yeah, I like too. pizza. Right. <laughs> so if I could say, well, okay, Saturday night's a great time to have pizza with with the family. Let me plan it in. Let me just plan it in and see what it does to the rest of my my variables on my plan. Mm-hmm. Very straightforward process. Um, it takes a little bit of skill, but it doesn't take very long to develop, and it's liberating. It's a liberating approach. Yeah, yeah. it sounds good because I think – you have to you have to incorporate foods you like, or you're not going to stick with any diet plan. It's not going to be something that's going to be long term. So same with same with training, right? You have yeah. to incorporate exercises and modes of training you like. Like I am just honestly for your audience, not a huge running fan. I do like sprinting, but not longer you know longer distance running. So I don't do it. But I do other things that give me conditioning, and that that works for me. Um, I've had clients that are big runners. So again. It's doing what's fun is like one of the top rules in consistency. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. That was weird. It was a long gap. Yeah, we just had a little little delay in the internet. Sorry about that. Okay, but, uh, no problem. I'm back. <laughs> uh, my reception isn't always the best, but uh, no worries. I, I heard what you said. So um, I agree with you. You have to do like in food and in, in exercise. You have to do what suits you, what you enjoy, so you'll stick with it. Also, and mm-hmm. uh, it may be running, it may be weights, it may be uh, swimming, it, whatever it is. As long as you do something, that's the important thing. So um, for yourself, what does your training routine look like now? Sure. So I'm in an interesting situation where I had surgery 11 or 12 weeks ago now. It was a mm-hmm. left rotator cuff surgery. So right now I'm doing a three-day-a-week full-body training program. So I squat, I bench press, I deadlift, and I might do some back work every single day because I am limited in what I can do with my left arm, right? I can't do mm-hmm. overhead work, for example, mm-hmm. but I can deadlift pretty heavy now. And so I'm getting back to my previous maximums on that. Wow, good. I can now, I can now bench press, which is awesome. I just started that like maybe three weeks ago and I can do a lot of back work. In fact, back work, if you're listening and you have a rotator cuff repair, that is one of the best things you could do is use your scapulae, use your shoulder blades and some sort of, you know, back work. So that's what I do. It takes me about 60 to 90 minutes max. Um, when I'm fully recovered, I'll probably go back to a four day program so I could get a little more volume in. And those mm-hmm. sessions typically take about an hour, four days a week. Okay, great, great. And what is your goal? Where do you see yourself going with this? Do you, uh, what are you shooting for? My goal is always changing, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and this is what I like because, uh, the term periodization, I don't know if you can use that for training or for running where you periodize or you have block programming or you have different training phases. Like it's all the same idea. I love that concept for food and for training because I can align it with the seasons. So for example, right now we're going into fall and Mm -hmm. then the the holidays, I don't want to be in a calorie deficit during the holidays. Right. Okay. (laughs) So I've been building muscle since about uh, late spring. And my intent was to do it for about nine months. So right now I'm in a muscle building phase and that's going to take me through probably February. And then February to say April gets you ready for summer by going through a fat loss phase. So I tend to go up and down maybe nine months out of the year at least 
building muscle and eating a lot of food. And then two to three months at most in any sort of deficit. Um, the one caveat is I'm, I'm doing an experiment. I mentioned this to you before we recorded. I'm doing an experiment starting next week with a two-week aggressive fat loss phase. So my goal is to, to lop off up to five pounds of fat in two weeks. Wow. It's not for everyone. It's not a crash diet. Like we can make the distinction between that and crash dieting. It's a very controlled phase where you keep the protein really high. You keep enough carbs in there for energy. You train really hard and keep a lot of fiber and vegetables in there so you don't get hungry and just bang it out in two weeks and get done. Mm. Um, within that two weeks is two separate days where you refeed. You know, you you add a bunch of carbs back in, recover for a day, and then you go right back into the diet. Mm, wow. I'd like to hear the results of that. Are you going to put that on your podcast? I will. I will. It's going to be well documented. I'm actually, um, I got feedback from Dr. Bill Campbell out of USF. Um, he's a pretty well-known nutrition guy out there. And because he was on my podcast and I asked him for feedback on the plan, he gave me a few pointers and I'm going to help him. Uh, maybe he can use it as a case study and research. We'll see. Good, good. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing that. So let's incorporate running into the discussion now. Okay. Um, let's do it. Yeah. As a runner, um, I mentioned earlier, I still do lift weights because I like to have some muscle definition in my body. Also, I don't want to look emaciated. A lot of runners look very mm. emaciated and I don't really care for that look so much for myself. So I do like to have muscle definition. Plus, I also understand that muscle burns a lot of calories, even when you're not running it, uh, it burns more calories than if you have less muscle. So, uh, plus I, I know it helps performance too. It's good to have a strong core and of course, strong legs for running. But one of the biggest fears of runners is going to be bulking up too much and putting on all that extra weight because yep. you don't want to carry excess weight with you for a long distance, especially. So how can someone incorporate weightlifting with running to get more to perform better, get better definition, but not bulk up too much. Right. And that's a great question. And this is going to come down to what type of runner you are. Are you a competitive runner or is this just a recreational thing? Because if you're competitive, chances are you're very serious about your training leading up to a specific event mm -hmm. and your priority is that event. And so there's all sorts of protocols that go beyond the scope of this that we need to talk to today regarding carb loading and reducing training volume as you get closer to the event. Mm -hmm. But just for in terms of like the off season, I like the idea of periodizing. So if you're a, whether you're a serious runner or not, taking the time well before, well separated from your event to just train for strength and muscle and eat a lot and be in a calorie surplus. And yes, you're going to gain some weight, but you can do it strategically and give yourself enough time before you're training for an event to then cut some fat um, is going to be a helpful approach. Mm -hmm. As you get closer to an event or as you're trying to prioritize running, you're going to have to keep the volume of your lifting moderated, right? Like as you, as you have more miles each week, you're going to have to maybe go down from four to three to two days of lifting. So it doesn't interfere with your recovery, but still maintains strength. So it's kind of like these two curves, one goes down, one goes up mm -hmm. uh, over time. If you have that off season, I mean, there's no reason you can't do just what anybody else would do with their lifting, scale the running back so that it's just kind of a maintenance mode of running so that you, you know, if you enjoy it or you're just trying to keep your um, endurance, which is not that hard to maintain, to be honest, compared to muscle, which takes a long time to build. Mm -hmm. And then just apply all the same principles we would use for anyone 
to lift weights. And that is lift heavy in a fairly low rep range, use compound lifts and progress over time, you know, get the weight on the bar or the reps higher over time. And then when you get to your goal, you stop, you go into a fat loss phase and you switch over to your um, endurance training. Okay. Very good. And yeah, we do have periodization and running too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we go through different phases in our training um, as a, as we build towards a race and then we do taper towards the end. Yeah, so for sure. yeah, we, we Especially do those last few days, right? That last week. Yeah. That's always nice to finally get to that phase. You eat a yeah. lot of carbs too, right? Do you do the carb loading? A lot yeah. of carbs at the end. If it's a long endurance race, yes. For sure. A lot of carbs well, towards the end. You, you know, what's interesting. So I, I have studied um, carb protocols for ath- endurance athletes because I have had a r- few runners as clients. And one of the interesting things I found out about is if it's a really long race, like a plus two hour type deal, um, having just a small amount of protein over time is, is also helpful for sparing your muscle from damage mm. from all of that training. So I, I don't, again, I don't know if that's part of your protocol, but thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, no, that's good. Good to know. Yeah. Cause I, I focus mostly on carbs, but, uh, yeah, proteins are important too. Yeah. So in order to stick to the plan as we're working out and re- trying to reach our goals, whether we're doing, um, weights or running, we have to have that motivation and drive to stay with it. Cause it's so easy to one day say, oh, I don't feel like doing it today and I'll just sleep late. How do you keep with it? How do you stay determined? Yeah. Um, tell me about your, what your motivation. Yeah. You already mentioned the, having a good why. So we're going right. to, we're going to assume that you have a good why driving you that you could always come back to that, but that's not enough, right? That That's great for initial burst of motivation, but to do the day in day out. I think there's a few things at play. The first that comes to mind, we mentioned it earlier, doing something you enjoy so that you love the process because the process is going to take months. The result's going to happen instantly, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? You can celebrate the result, but honestly, at the end of the day, you're transforming yourself into having some lifestyle, not always thinking of in terms of go get this, go get this, go get this, because that's just going to get really tiring really fast. So to me, to me, training is a lifestyle, whatever my goal is, and the tr- the method of training might change, but the fact that I train is a no-brainer. It's just inherent, right? And so how do you get there? Well, you get there with some sort of habit-building approach. Mm-hmm. I like the tiny habits approach, which is just take one thing that's super easy and start doing it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like you have to take action somewhere, and you have to know what the action is. But some people go all out and try to do 10 things at once, or they have an all or nothing approach. Like if I don't do this perfectly, I'm just going to give up and that's it. Um, It really is having self-compassion and having this flexible, sustainable approach of just little bits at a time. I'm going for a 10 out of 10 every day, but maybe I'll get an eight out of 10. Maybe I'll get a one out of 10, but it's still better than zero. Right. And kind of having that self-compassion. Um, and then the last thing is, I would, I would say, uh, community. I mentioned this before. This could be like your running community that listens to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening, they know you have a passion and compassion for the sport, and they're gonna they're, they can trust you and they can get motivated by you. And maybe they're listening to you while they run. Um, I have a, I have a Hopefully. Facebook community. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I have a Facebook community where we're constantly pushing each other, and people will come in all the time, a little bit discouraged, a little bit beating themselves up. And we're there from a positive perspective to say, it's all right. Like we got you. Um, it's, it's okay to be discouraged, but don't let it last. Like 
pick yourself up tomorrow. We've got you. Here's the plan. Let's get moving. So those are those are some of the things that I think would help. Okay, great. What type of encouragement would you give someone, say, who's in their 40s or even older that hasn't started any type of fitness activity yet, but is interested in getting started now? Sorry, you're just too old. You know, sorry. <laughs> 40, 40 is the limit where you just stop. Life just stops. You sit down and you don't do anything. Okay. Now, <laughs> now, I, now I say that to be facetious for a point because this is like the most common question I get, Barry. Not not from you, but just from from like the, the the public of what about women over forty or what about I'm a guy, I'm fifty. Like, is that too old to X Y Z? I think until the day you die and can move something on your body, it's never too old to move in some way. Like that's the way I'm going to agreed. Agreed. If you're 85 and you've never lifted in your life and you have trouble getting off the toilet, then then you want to learn to squat or do something to get off the toilet. Like get off get off a higher toilet, then get off a slightly lower toilet. You know, and you work you work your way up. So, um, man, strength and fitness are so functional and so uh, important for a long, high quality life that there's no excuses. Any age, you can do something. Agreed. And that's what this podcast is all about. Exactly. I've seen people in their seventies and eighties do amazing things. So all the time and and older. So yeah, it's, it's funny. My parents live down in the villages in Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Which is all uh, retirement community. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom is always sending me articles about men and women who start powerlifting, you know, in their sixties, seventies, eighties, and they're all winning competitions because there's hardly any competition at that level you know, very few people do it. So there's another incentive. If you're in that age, you have like an easy run to a a blue ribbon at one of these competitions. That's, that's one thing I always say too, is one of the good things about getting older is in the races I compete in, there's a lot less competition than there used to be. So it's good to be old sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Philip, how can people connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do, your coaching, your podcast, where can they, where can they find you? Yeah, definitely follow the podcast called Wits and Weights. So if you're listening right now, go in your app, follow Wits and Weights. Excellent. Um, you can reach me on IG at Wits and Weights. And then I have a free metabolism assessment on my website, witsandweights.com. Okay, excellent. Well, I enjoyed all your insights you gave about lifting weights because that's, again, a subject that I don't have any expertise in. And I liked how you talked about how it can also fit into a runner's routine too. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, In closing, I guess the only question I would think to ask you right now would be, what do you, you said you hadn't started fitness until you reached 40, like me pretty much. What do you wish, what do you know now that you wish you had known when you were in your 20s? Oh, that, <laughs> there's so cool. much I, for me. I wish I knew. I wish I could tell. Yeah. I wish I could tell my 20 year old, um, a whole bunch of things. Uh, what is it? Um, I guess what I would like to have known back then is that I can, I can achieve way more for my physical health and fitness than I think I can based on my genetics or some other preconceived notion. You know, like it doesn't matter what your family is, your genetics, mm-hmm. who you are, where you are, how much money you have, your gender, anything. You can achieve a massive transformation in your physical fitness at, at any age, but especially at 20 because you got, you got all the hormones. So do it. If you're 20 and listening yeah. to this, there's no excuse to get started. Okay, great, <laughs> Philip. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Barry. I appreciate you having me.
I hope you enjoy my conversation with Philip and got some insights about how weight training can help your fitness routine and how it can also complement your running. Also, I hope you found encouragement that it's never too late to get started on your fitness journey. Philip didn't begin weight training in earnest until he hit his 40s. And I didn't begin my running journey until I was almost 40. So it's never too late to get started and transform your life. Thank you so much for being here with me today and spending some time. I truly appreciate you. If you could leave a review of the podcast wherever you're listening to it. And I look forward to spending some time with you again next week. I'll be back with you on Monday with a new episode. And until then, let's outrun Father Time together.